0: I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into the and he ages, from the dead. He, he ascend into Heaven, and sits at the right hand of God, God Father Almighty. He shall come to judge from the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the, Christian Church, the, the communion, communion of saints, the forgiveness of, saints, forgiveness of saints, sins, the resurrection, resurrection of the body, and, and the life, life everlasting. everlasting. Amen. Amen. Have you ever been asked to do something, and you know you have to do it, but you don't know how, and so you're just going, how in the world am I going to do this? Maybe it's an assignment at school, or maybe it's a project at work. Maybe you, you know, exaggerated on your resume, and so your boss gives you a task, and you can't tell her that you don't know how to do it because your resume says that you do, and so you're just furiously typing on the internet trying to figure out what to do next. This happens a lot when we become parents. Here's this baby, we have this baby, and these people at the hospital are crazy enough to actually let us take this child home, and we realize we have no idea what we're doing, and yet this baby's survival depends on us. So Jesus, when he was on earth, he said something to his disciples. He said, you're going to be my messengers. You're going to take my message to the ends of the earth. And these guys go, oh, cool. But really, they're thinking, we have no idea how to do that. But they can't say no, because this is Jesus asking them. And they can't say, "Uh, we don't really know how, because for three years, he's been showing them how. And the worst part of all of it is he says, you're going to be my messengers. And then he hops on a cloud and he goes up into heaven, not to be seen again. And these guys are left wondering, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Jesus says one other thing. You're going to be my messengers. You're going to take the message of God's love to the ends of the earth. He says this other thing, and they don't really understand it at the time. He says, I'm going to give you help. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you, whatever that means. He just says, "Go for now, just go to Jerusalem and wait, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And you'll know when the Holy Spirit comes, so just go to Jerusalem and wait for the Spirit. Today we're going to talk about the day that God sent His Holy Spirit. So if you have a Bible, get it out, turn it on. We're going to be at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at this special day, this sacred day that God sends His Holy Spirit to be with His people. Now, I'm immediately aware that when I say the Holy Spirit and when I bring up Pentecost, depending on maybe your faith background, for some of you... It gets really uncomfortable, right? Because there's a lot of weird stuff out there about the Holy Spirit, weird things that people claim about the Holy Spirit. You could go on YouTube and see all kinds of stuff. You got televangelists out here, and they do like this Kung Fu move, and people in the audience just fall down, and they say that that's the work of the Spirit. Like, what is that? Or you've got people talking about the Holy Ghost. When I hear that, I imagine white sheet, couple of eye holes, like a good Halloween costume, just floating around, ooh, you know, that's weird. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, maybe the challenge for us is simply this, it's to put all the weird stuff aside and just go, what does the Bible say? About the Holy Spirit, and maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable. But you and me, we'll, we'll be uncomfortable together. Let's put away any of that weird stuff that's out there, and let's just look at this day that God sent the Holy Spirit to be with His people. So let me give you the scene. It's this weekend called Pentecost, and Pentecost is a Jewish festival. It happens fifty days—Penta fifty. It happens fifty days after Passover and the Jews come and they bring the first fruits from their harvest and they give them to God. So remember that Jesus was crucified on Passover weekend. Everyone was in town in Jerusalem for the celebration of Passover. Well, it's 50 days later and they're all back in town. They're all back in Jerusalem because God's people are celebrating this festival called Pentecost. Now, just remember a little bit what's going on over the last couple of months. Jesus died on a cross. He rose again. He came back to life. And for 40 days, he's showing up. He's meeting with his friends. He's talking with them. He's eating with them. And he's laughing with them. Until 10 days ago. 10 days ago, Acts 1 tells us that Jesus ascended into heaven to take his place on his throne next to God the Father. But before he did, he said to his disciples, you are going to be my messengers. You're going to take this message of God's love. You're going to take it to the ends of the earth. But you can't do it alone. So wait. Go to Jerusalem and just wait. And so that's what they're doing. They're, they're waiting. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. It's 50 days after they watched Jesus die on a cross. Jesus says, you'll know when he comes. You'll know it. And 50 days later, after his death, it finally happens. Check this out. Here's the story. Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, I don't know, just if you can try and picture this. A group of about 120 of them are hanging out. They're either in someone's home, they might be in the temple. We're not really sure. And then all of a sudden, this this supernatural thing happens this whoosh. The sound of wind comes and fills this space that they're in. And what looks like tongues that are on fire come and rest on the disciples. And it says that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever that means. And all of a sudden, they're speaking in different languages. Languages they've never spoken before. Like, bizarre, right? Really out there. We're going to come back to this, but I want to look at the rest of the story so you can kind of see how it all plays out. Verse 5 says this. "says Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, From every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? So people from all over the world are in town for Pentecost. And all of a sudden, James and John and Andrew and Peter, they're they're speaking in languages that these people understand. They're speaking in their own languages. Verse 9 says, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia and Judea, and a whole bunch of other people from all over. They said, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Of course, there were some skeptics there, and they made fun of them. They said, these guys are just drunk, right? They said, they've had too much wine. All right. What's going on here? You've got this rushing sound of wind. You've got tongues of fire. Peter's speaking Mandarin or whatever it is. What is going on? Well, honestly, I think we're sort of confronted right now with this question that we've faced a lot during this series, and and it's this, do I have a category for the supernatural? This supernatural thing happens. Do I have a category for this? Can I even attempt to get my mind around this? Or do I come to a story like this in the Bible and I go, no, 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 I can't explain that. I can't understand that. I've never seen anything like it before. I just, I can't, I can't believe that. Because you kind of have to have a bucket for the supernatural. And this is a challenge for each of us. Do you have a category for this? And honestly, I would just say, yes, it's challenging. But if you say, no, I don't have a category for this, truthfully, just turn me off now. Because you're kind of wasting your time. Because the foundation of the Bible To be honest, there's some not natural stuff going on in here. There are some supernatural things. And so I think there's, as we wade into this story together, I think there's a little bit of a heart check for each of us to go, do I have a category for this? Do I have a category for supernatural? So lean in with me for a minute. Let's try and understand what's really going on here. Luke tells us about three things. He says there are three elements at play. He says we've got wind, we've got flaming tongues, and we've got voices, right? We've got speaking. So let's talk about the wind. This is really interesting. So the word for wind is the same word for air, for breath. You know, it's also the same word for the spirit. In the Old Testament, in Hebrew, it's the word ruach. In the New Testament, it's the word pneuma, like where we get our word pneumonia. I think God is trying to tell us something about the Spirit. I think he's trying to tell us that the Spirit is is like the breath of God. It's it's life. He is is life-giving for us. And just like we can't live without air, we can't live without breath, I think God is saying that we can't live without his Spirit. And I love this, this idea that the word for wind is the same as the word for spirit. Because, you know, you can't, you can't see the wind, but can't you see the effects of the wind? Can't you hear the wind? So when you're in your yard and you hear rustling in the trees of the leaves, or you look up and you see the leaves kind of quaking on the tree. Maybe it's just a sweet reminder. Maybe it's just God's sweet reminder for us going, hey, I'm here. He's trying to communicate to the disciples that this supernatural thing, he's like, I'm here. It doesn't have to be scary. I'm with you because it's gonna get weird. It's gonna get weird. And now we have tongues. We have tongues that are on fire. I don't know, that sort of ranks pretty high on the weird and gross meter for me, I think. Tongues on fire. And I think Luke is just doing his best to try and describe what's going on here in human words to try and describe this supernatural event that's happening. But why tongues of fire? Well, throughout the Old Testament, fire is a sign of God's power. God reveals his power and his majesty and his authority Through fire. And there's something about tongues, because God is going to use words. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples, they're going to be his messengers. They have a message. They're going to go out and speak this message. God is going to use words to tell the world about his love and so tongues on fire it's like god's saying you're going to use words to speak my words to tell people this message and you're going to have my power behind you when you go and so it's it's tongues on fire and i know it sounds kind of crazy this whole scene i love that luke says it's it's just the sound of the rushing wind. So don't think that it's like all of a sudden there's a windstorm and things are flying around the room and it's chaotic. God doesn't operate like that. God is a God of order. And so even in the midst of this, this sound of wind and, and tongues of fire, he is a God of order and he is calm and he's not trying to ratchet it up on these guys. He is with them and he is peace. It's about to get weirder. As weird as a sudden wind and and tongues of fire are, Luke kind of dismisses those. He pushes those off to the side, and he moves on to the most important part of the story, the, the voices, the language. This is the really weird part. Apparently, all of a sudden, the disciples, I don't know if it's all 120 of them. I don't know if it's just a few of them. But all of a sudden, they're speaking in these other tongues. They're speaking in ways they've never spoken before. What? Do you have a category for this? Before you decide, I want to take a little time out. We're going to go to school for a minute on the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? And I want to just give you a couple things you can kind of file these away in your mind or if you really love Jesus a lot, you can write them down because that's what we do. These are a couple things about the Holy Spirit that you need to know. We're going to go back to Acts chapter 2, but this radical stuff is happening and so I want you to know what's really going on here. So a couple things about the Holy Spirit. The first thing I want you to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing. So I hear this a lot, and I'm guilty of it. I stumble on it all the time. We'll describe the Holy Spirit, and we will say it. It leads us. It guides us. But the biblical authors are really clear. They use the pronoun he. This is a person. This is not just the power of God. This is not may the force be with you. The Holy Spirit is a person. Because God is a personal God. Everything about God is is personal. And so this is not just merely the influence of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. The second thing I want to say about the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit is not some angelic being who occasionally does the bidding of God the Father and and Jesus. The Holy Spirit is fully God. In fact, so much so that the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, don't you know that your body is God's temple? It's where the Spirit dwells. He's saying the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God. Sometimes we quickly put the Holy Spirit over here on the shelf. It's like this, just again, this sort of whimsical kind of being. And and God the Father and Jesus, yeah, 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 they're God, but the Holy Spirit is like like diet God, like, like God light. Not really totally God. But no, the Bible is clear that the Holy Spirit is fully God. So come with me back to to acts two what's luke telling what's he really telling us are you ready for this luke is saying that god actually came and dwelled inside of these people that the god of creation the god of the universe actually came and dwelled inside of these disciples. See, that's the supernatural part of the story. That's the crazy part that you have to try and get your head around. It's not that they spoke in languages and this whole wind and and fire, whatever. If you believe that God is on the scene and God is inside of them, that's the supernatural part. That's the crazy part that the God of all of creation would actually come and live inside of their hearts And their minds. So supernatural, it's it's almost unbelievable. But choose to believe it with me for just a minute. Choose to believe it. Choose to believe that God comes and lives inside of these disciples, that He comes and He fills them up. All right, so then what happens next? It says they start speaking in other languages. Some of your Bible translations say the word tongues it says they start speaking in other tongues that sounds kind of funny right like what does that mean it sounds I don't know it sounds a little mysterioso to say tongues sounds like is that gibberish like what's going on there no tongues are just languages tongues are human languages the disciples had not previously spoken That's all Luke is talking about here in Acts 2 when he says the word tongues. It's human languages they had not previously spoken. If you look at the context of the story, people from all over the world are there, and they're hearing what they know to be their native language. And so Peter starts speaking, and he speaks in, I don't know, he speaks Russian. And people from Russia go, hey, that's, that's our language. And James starts speaking Swahili, and Andrew is speaking Farsi. And people who speak those languages are going, that's my language. And you go, why would God do that? It feels really random. It feels, I don't know, chaotic. What's the point of all this? Because it's weird, right? Well, Luke tells us. He tells us in verse 11. The people are responding to these voices, to these languages. Listen to what they say. They say, we hear them, these disciples, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. They actually hear their own languages, the languages they grew up learning. They actually hear these languages coming out of Peter and, and James and John and Matthew and Andrew. They hear their languages. Somehow, the Holy Spirit empowered the disciples to tell people about God in their own languages. I don't know how. Somehow the Holy Spirit empowers these guys, these men and women, to tell people about God in their own language. And if you keep reading, Peter stands up and he starts to speak, and I don't know what language he speaks, and he starts to speak, and he preaches the gospel, this message of Jesus Christ, and 3,000 people are baptized that day. And the church starts. Pentecost is happy birthday church. That's the day the church starts. It's incredible. And depending on your faith tradition, it's a story that you hold near to your heart, that God would use these uneducated men and women. He would somehow work in them, in their hearts, in their minds. I don't know how he did it. I don't think, you know, it's like the matrix. I don't know how it happens. They can speak in languages that are not their own. It's incredible. But can I submit to you that's not the most incredible part of the story? That is not the most amazing supernatural part of the story? That these guys are speaking languages they've never heard before? Can I turn this on its head a little bit? I think the most supernatural part of the story is that the God of the universe chooses to come and live inside of these disciples, inside the hearts and minds of these disciples, and the God of the universe has chosen to come and live inside of you and inside of me. I mean, that's the most amazing part of the story, the wind, the fire, the voices, whatever. Who cares? No. God, the God of creation, who can go anywhere, who transcends space and time, who can live anywhere. He can live in a palace. He can live in a mansion. He can live on some tropical island but no he wants his spirit to come and live inside the hearts and minds of his people why so he can go everywhere with you so he can be with you all the time so that he can go with you everywhere that you go to encourage you to lead you to empower you to protect you from other people and and yourself so that you're never alone. The God of creation comes and lives inside the hearts and minds of his people. I mean, do you have a category for that? I think about these disciples. They've seen it all, right? They've been with Jesus. They've seen him turn water into wine. But that was like, that was like simple. They watched him raise a man who had never walked in almost 40 years, pick him up off the ground and he could walk. Another woman just touched his pant leg and she was healed. A dude that couldn't see, Jesus put some dirt on his face. 20-20 vision. They watched Jesus call a man out of a tomb, back to life. But I don't think they have a category for this one. That God would come and live in their hearts. That he would come and dwell with us. Fast forward 2,000 years. Here we are, you and me. You're sitting in your living room or your dining room watching some goofball on the screen. What on earth does this have to do with us? Are we like waiting? Are we waiting in our houses for this sound to fill our living room and then we're going to start speaking in Portuguese and, and then we're going to go and tell the world about Jesus? Is that what it is? No, I don't I don't think so. I don't think that's the message of this. I think what God is trying to communicate to us is very simple. I think it's this. That the Holy Spirit gives you what you need to do what God asks you to do today. And maybe it's not to speak in another language. Maybe it's something far more mundane, boring. You know, right now, I don't know about you, but sort of in this unique time that we're living, I've had times in the last few weeks where I kind of wanted to just go hide in a corner, just curl up in a ball, and just hide from the world. Because honestly, I feel incompetent to handle any of this as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, You know, we got little kids there at home, we're trying to teach them their schoolwork now. We're not teachers, we don't know what we're doing. We have a child that has a medical condition who she's incredibly vulnerable to getting sick. We're we're trying to protect her. I mean, we're like you, we don't know the future, what it holds for us financially. All of our jobs have changed. I'm preaching to a camera because we can't be together. I feel completely unprepared Incompetent, some days worse. And yet there's something about this story where God goes, I want to be close to you. I'm giving you my Holy Spirit so that you have everything that you need, everything you need to do what I'm asking you to do today. And without the Holy Spirit, impossible. You know, these, these disciples, had they tried to, to go and take the message of Christ to the world without waiting for the Spirit, had they tried, you know, they'd have probably done all right for, I don't know, a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months. They, they knew Jesus well. They could have inspired people, but they would have failed. They needed the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, listen, guys, today, just just go and wait. That's all you have to do is, is go and wait today. And each day, the Holy Spirit gives us what we need that day, one day at a time. One dose at a time. And I know, if you're anything like me, you're like, give me, give me everything I need to know for the rest of my life. Give it all to me now, God. He goes, no, you can't handle more than one dose at a time. So you only get one dose at a time. You get one day at a time. The Spirit gives you what you need to do what God asks you to do. I know how a lot of you are feeling. I talk to you. I read your prayer requests. I know what's going on. Parents of, of young kids trying to do the schoolwork thing and maintain some sanity and still be able to work from home. I see you. Single parent trying to figure out how to work some hours to feed your kids, but now they're home and you got to care for them. I see you. Grandma and grandpa, you haven't seen your grandkids in a month, two months, I see you. It's hard. If you're anything like me, you feel incompetent, not up to the task. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he says about the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you. Ephesians 1 says, that same power is the same as the mighty strength that god exerted when he raised christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms the power that brought christ back to life paul says that holy spirit he's living inside of you if you have a relationship with jesus christ if you don't you can start one today you could talk to him today and go jesus I want hope. I need hope in my life. I want to follow you. We'd love to talk with you about what that looks like. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the same power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he's inside of you. He's living inside of you today. When you're trying to do schoolwork with your kids, he's inside of you. When you're sitting around the table, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do because you got laid off from your job. That same spirit is inside of you. When you hear that one of your family members isn't feeling well, and you're like, here we go, and you get anxious about that, the same spirit of God is inside of you. Do you have a category for that? That kind of supernatural Because I wonder if you've been feeling incompetent. I wonder if you've been feeling not up to the task at hand. Maybe some days you're going, "I, I just want to get through today. Maybe it's I just want to get through this hour. The Holy Spirit wants to give you what you need. He's that fresh breath, that fresh air that you need. And he's living inside of you. That same power that brought Jesus back to life is living inside of you. Jesus, when he was alive, he asked Peter. He said, Peter, are you going to leave me? And Peter says, where else would I go? I don't know where you're turning for hope right now. I don't know where you're turning for peace. I don't know where you're turning for life. But the Holy Spirit wants to give you everything that you need, everything you need to do what God is asking you to do today. Would you pray with me? merciful God that you would come and live inside of us I hardly have a category for that of all the places that you could be that you would choose for your spirit to live inside of broken messed up me It's unreal. I I don't even know how to respond to that, God. Father, right now, there are many of us who are honestly struggling through a lot of days. We're living in strange times under new conditions, and there are days and there are hours that we don't know how to accomplish the task at hand. And some days we're growing frustrated with each other. And we're growing impatient with one another. And we're getting anxious. And we don't know how to handle it all. We're not trained for this. But God, would you remind us that the same power that raised Jesus Christ back to life, he is living inside of us. And he is there to give us everything that we need to do what you've asked us to do. We we can't ask for anything else. God, you have not separated yourself from us, you have not remained distant, but you have come close. You go with us everywhere that we go to encourage us, to hold us up, to strengthen us, to protect us, to guide us. Oh, God, be merciful. Continue to show yourself to us in the small things, even like the rustling of leaves in the trees or a gentle word spoken from a friend. Remind us that you're with us, that you love us, that your Spirit gives us all that we need right now for today. It's in the name of Christ I pray, amen. Well Faith Church, these are unusual times and yet we still get to do incredible ministry. We are giving more people access to Jesus now than we were before this started. And it is in large part because of you and your generosity and your prayers for this community. So thank you. I wanna remind you that there are a number of ways you can give to support this ministry here at Faith Church. You can text your giving. You can visit faithchurchlv.com and you can give there or you can mail in your giving and we can receive it that way. Thank you for your generosity, church. We're going to finish with a song today, and it's not really a worship song that you need to stand and sing if you don't want. You can just sit wherever you are, and our worship team wants to sing this song over you. It's a blessing, it's from the Old Testament, and they just want to sing over you. And it's their prayer that God would pour out his blessing over you. So, church, we love you. Sit back. And be blessed by this last song.